about, don't know if you follow much that sport, but in Argentina, we used to have Maradona, may he rest in peace. And the typical leadership in, um, I don't, I can't say soccer, but you know, soccer for our listeners, most, most are American, um, was this guy who, you know, is in front of the pack and he fights and he kicks when he's kicked and gets a red car and like, you know, chest up and cocky and like comes from the hood and like fights everyone. Right. So Messi for, for, for many years, he was very resisted back home because he's pretty much autistic, right? He has a, a principle of Asperger's and he left the country when he was very young and he's been raised in Spain, but chose to play for Argentina and he hasn't won the World Cup yet. So that's why I don't like him. But this article was interesting because they were talking about how types of leadership are changing, right? So now this new Argentinian team who is a is a star team, not a team of stars, except for him, uh, they have time to see their families and no one's out there, you know, talking about like showing off their cars or like being cocky or being bullies. They just like, they look like a family and and their leader is one of the most quiet guys you, you, you've ever, you'll ever see. Uh, and he just plays and he just wants to play and, you know, everything's very private. So I think, um, you know, connecting to your question, I think there's, there's a change in leadership that will definitely require a different kind of skill set from, from staff and people around them because now it's about having a safe space and, you know, saying how you feel and like saying, you know what, I'm a sub and it sucks to be a sub, but I still want to want the team to do well. So accepting there's the stuff that's not always great. So actually not being strong enough to, to say, if you don't like something in a respectful manner. So um, that gives room for, for good and bad things in terms of people doing the psychology of sport, because it is, it's not new, but you know what I mean? So suddenly all these coaches appear. <laughs> life coaches and like they they tell athletes how to focus um you know with all these techniques that don't apply so i think is a, a very developing area of sport but definitely necessarily uh moving into the future because you know we now have social media and you make a mistake and like 50 million people comment on it and some some of them say i hope you die or something like that so it's a different no justin you're laughing but mate you don't even have to I'm go laughing because it's so messed up. That's why. Like, that's just Man, my awkward you don't even have tick to go, of like, just how awful that is. You don't even have to go as far as Messi. You can go like, you know, high school or club sports. People just go on anonymous. Oh, yeah. Like that. You say, oh, mate, you suck. Like, you, you, you know, and I know players for a fact. You know, you think they're millionaires. They don't really care. They read the comments. 100%. I mean, shit, people do that because of stupid fantasy football or fantasy sports. It's even worse. So if you imagine a guy who's who's a millionaire and plays the highest level of sport and goes and reads the comments from an average Joe sitting in his house telling him he sucks and actually gets affected by it. There's so many things you can tap on <laughs> into that thing. You know what I mean? Like this is more than one problem, but I think is um, you know, it's redefining a bit of the landscape. I don't know if you guys agree. I think so too. I, I definitely do. Fergus, go ahead with what you're going to say. No, I was just going to say, if you haven't seen the Carlos Velardo uh, documentary, Fernando, about um, no. very good on HBO. Uh, so he was one, he was one of the, the, the managers during Maradona's period, but fascinating guy. He was a doctor. I think he might have been oh, the Velardo one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, so you say it in Irish, so I couldn't understand it. <laughs> 
See, see, I'm I'm, I'm getting getting insulted, and it's not it's not e it's not even a comment on Twitter. <laughs> hey, this is live. My feelings, you know my feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. I am triggered. That. Are you triggered? I'm triggered. Yeah, I think I'm triggered uh, that you triggered. Snowflake. Um, I think uh, I think one of the one of the really interesting things, though, like fundamental to all of this, is that it's not that long ago players were amateur. You know, it's not that many generations ago. And so if you look at the psychological profile of previous generations, it is you're dealing with a uh, not a different athlete, but they've come through a different pathway. So you mentioned Messi, for example, you know, he was a Barcelona from a very, very young age. And so they've been in that pipeline. So I think it's very different. I had this conversation actually with Dean Benton, uh, an Australian strength coach, brilliant guy, but we were talking about at an international team as well. It's incredibly, it's infinitely more difficult because you pull guys together for a very short period of time. You don't get the opportunity to train them physically to the same degree. So a lot of it is around character culture and if you want to call it psychology. Um, but I think that, uh, it was interesting, actually, many years ago, Clive Woodward, who was the, the England rugby coach, I remember spending a brilliant morning with him one time, but he said all of his staff, all of his staff had actually been teachers originally. Every single coach was a teacher and he didn't have a psychologist per se on board. And he wanted to empower his coaches to deliver the, the psychology, if you will, to be able to support them. And I think I think sometimes your strength coach, for example, who spends two hours or three hours a day with the guys, maybe longer, he has a bigger impact on the psychology of the team than the psychologist who might see four guys for 20 minutes in a dark room once a week. So I think it's I think the psychology, particularly of the head coach as well, their character, uh, their uh, presentation, their manner, how they carry themselves, that everybody looks to the top. Um, like, think about it, right? You're in the locker room, you're, you know, 10 scores down, everybody has their head down, head coach comes in. Now, everybody's watching his body language. If he's coming in stooped, low, that's going to, that's going to, but if he comes in enthusiastic, everybody suddenly, all of a sudden, their mood changes. Everybody looks to the top and it filters down. So it is very, it is very, very important. I, th I think it's, uh, I think it's very unique as well. And then, you know, you also have the the unique cultural uh, personalities as well. What would work in one country, or we're just talking about the World Cup, for example, but what might work in one country is would never work in another, you know, just culturally wise. And I think that's something to be very aware of. You know, I've had to move from team to team and you see it straight off the bat. You come in with the preconceived ideas early on in your career and you think, oh, I can do it this way. And you learn very, very quickly. No, it's not going to work. Not what I do, but how I did it is not going to work. Yeah. I'm going to have yeah. to be softer or I can be more forceful. But I think having the awareness is the most important thing. That's that's the, the first starting point. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. The thing I'm a bit reluctant with, and if any sports psychologists are listening to this, don't take it personal, yeah? But the thing is, like you said, if there's no... Let's say this. If there's no cohesion or consistency in the message throughout the team there's no point in saying like we have mental issues bring a psychologist and then coaches or whoever treat the players in a way 
that's not you know aligned to getting everyone together so it's not like you know solving it by just bringing someone who knows psychology you know well, well, so, well, think, well th think about it Fernando like you got a guy who's struggling with confidence you know and you see you bring a psychologist in he spends 45 minutes a week with them and then they go into the gym every single day and the strength coach you may or may not be aware of this crisis is just beating the guy down in it like but but you know yeah. just as as you would do because you want to encourage him you think he's lazy there's actually a self-esteem issue or something else yeah. or self-worth issue and so you can undo it very very quickly that's where that you're right the cohesion and alignment but that also plays into you know the game model how you're going to play the game are you going to play it in an aggressive way is that the culture is that the environment are we going yeah. to support guys it's all also, it's all incredibly uh it's all interlinked yeah also bring in a guy who's be like okay so you have confidential so are you going to sit with psychologists you're going to ask you what's wrong with you are we going to fix it i don't think that's going to work <laughs> right you know, i used to I, I used to say i've never met a good sports psychologist now that's a, that's a hell of a statement but that's a while ago i uh, i'm not i might not say that now but it's very very difficult to find somebody who truly appreciates the intricacies of of performing at a high level and uh and also there are many of the issues that you find at the professional level have got nothing to do with the game they can all play the game you know the i can say that i can say it on this <laughs> this podcast but used to joke like the definition of stress was when your mortgage your wife and your mistress were all a month late <laughs> like, that's got nothing to do that's got nothing to do with the game <laughs> <laughs>